What's up, you guys? Banta, 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 yo. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> no? That's terrible. <laughs> banta? Well, I can't say banter, Isn't yo. Isn't that a Star sounds... Wars creature? Banta? <laughs> banta. Got the banta. banta. I think it's like a terrible fraternity that we just pledged to. <laughs> I'm with banta, banta, banta. There's a lot of hazing that happens. <laughs> hey, you guys, we are here with Talk About That. I mean, it's going to be an incredible show today. Just have uh, some awesome people around the table, and so... Excited to jump in with you guys. I got our co-host is back today, Mr. Johnny W. Johnny. Hello, Johnny. Yes, yeah. glad to be back. And, uh, of course, always our producer, Dana Allen, is here. Hey. We're going to have a special guest here just a little bit later uh, in the podcast as well. And so, Johnny, uh, you literally just came to us off of a plane. Mm-hmm. I mean, you drove. You didn't get off the plane and slide into the studio. But um, I didn't, Yeah, I didn't fly the plane. Tell us exactly... Uh, tell us exactly where you've been. I was in, uh, Thursday night, I was in an area of Pennsylvania called the Poconos, which I had always heard about. You hear about it on like TV shows. Right. That families on TV sitcoms vacation in the Poconos, yeah. like New York. If they're set in New York. Didn't like, the Beach Boys have a song called Poconos? That was the Kokomo, John. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but like, uh, for instance, if you watch Seinfeld, Kramer, there's a cabin. Right. And Susan's family. That's the one he burned down. He burned down the cabin. Yeah. That was in the Poconos. And he goes and plays golf, and it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I was there. And it's like the mountains. Like, I couldn't believe how rural it was. Rural is one of those words. Rural. <laughs> if you can say rural correctly, you're probably not from a you're rural probably area. Probably not from a rural, yeah. rural. Like speech impediment. Why is speech impediment so hard? Like, if you can, it's like a test. It's like you're trying to hurt people with it. Yeah. yeah. George Carlin used to say that. Why does the word lisp have an S in it? That's just cruel, you know. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I was in the Poconos and I was there for literally probably 12 or 13 hours because I did a show. It was in a restaurant, oh. which is not the best scenario for comedy mm. and it may be the worst. <laughs> what restaurant? It was a restaurant called Desaki's, which is kind of like a wasabi. It's kind of like a mm. you're sit around the griddle. And <laughs> it they, was that kind of restaurant. Did a show. <laughs> you so you're trying to do it. You're like doing it. You're, you're like doing do a, a bit. And they're tossing shrimp in your mouth at <laughs> well, the same time. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't do it that way. But people, some people did have their backs to me. And wow, uh, yeah. And then they, I was like, well, okay. As long as they're close to the stage, there was a stage and sound system. But then they said, oh yeah, there'll be silent auction tables and stuff. And I go, oh, okay, I get there. Silent auction tables are between me and the people. So there's six huge folding tables of items to bid on before the first person, which distance is huge in comedy. Like, wow. you need to be close. It's a, it's like I call it yeah. comedy is a contact sport. So I'm already going, this is going to be the worst <laughs> thing ever. And even the guy who was there is a sweet guy, and it was for like a, a Christian counseling service. So it was a fundraiser for them. Yeah, He was so nice, and I just said, this is all wrong. Uh, and he goes, I know, I tried to get him to whatever. And he was just kind of like preparing him. For, I was trying to prepare him in case it didn't go well so he wouldn't be like, well, you just should have tried harder. You know, you never right. wanted to blame your jokes. Right. But they were actually pretty great. Well, that's good. And uh, they listened. And there was a weird sound thing. on the, It was a really bad sound system. So there's like this weird like, and I pause sometimes. If you pause in comedy, any weird effect on the sound system, you just hear it and it distracts people. Yeah. So I was just trying to blaze through because every time I would stop, this little <laughs> it was like a weird thing in the static. Did you have a wireless mic? Yeah. That's what it was. That's the signal on the frequency. It was brutal. So it was like a train was coming around yeah. the bend every time I stopped. <laughs> so I just tried not to stop. But uh, it was good. And, and so then I went from there. I drove back down to New York City, flew out of LaGuardia, which is the worst airport mm. in a major city mm. that you that we have. It really is. New York's a great town. New York's a great city. But 
Guys, it's unbelievable. There, have you flew out of LaGuardia? You know, I have not actually. It has all the charm of a Civil War triage unit. <laughs> it is literally just bodies. You can't get through. It's just people jammed and running in single file almost to get to your gate. Wow. And so I had to leave at 1 a.m. from Pennsylvania to get to make my 5.30 a.m. flight Ugh. to Houston. And then I was in Houston the next two days. So. I had a show last night in Houston for a church that was like affected by the floods a little bit. They were in like just outside the flood zone. And so they used their church as a shelter for like a hundred families for two weeks. So it's really cool to see and hear some of those stories Mm. uh, of the church kind of really being the church and stepping up and being involved in their community. So that was kind of cool and very gratifying to be there for them because they've been through a lot in that, in that area. So that was cool. Well, dude, what a trooper you, you just got home. Well, After and all I, that, well, and I, you know, you, well, you haven't been home. No, I've not been home yet. I just came here to be with you, and and uh, I feel uh, real special. Well, you are special, Dane. You are. And we made fun of your shirt like the moment you walked in. It's okay. It's a dumb shirt. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, it's a dumb graphic. There's no dumb shirts. Just dumb people. I like shirts. You don't. Have to, I like shirts that make people ask you what it is, though. And it's a graphic that says six is afraid of seven because seven, eight, nine, and basically is what it means. But it, it, there's a bunch of numbers on a shirt. But my favorite shirt ever. That doesn't that requires explanation, yeah. and then when you get it, you're like, "Oh, it's great." My wife has one, and it's a little egg character drinking tea, sipping tea slowly under a like a a tree that's like leaves are falling. It's a brown, you know, nice hoodie, and then people go, "What is what does the shirt mean?" And it's uh, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so, great. It's a conversation starter. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, so I'm back. I'm well, that's good great. to be here. And I heard that Allison did pretty good in my stead. Allison as a co-host Holland did a great job. We had a great, uh, great interview with her last week, and um, really good talk. So it was, it was awesome. Good. We missed you, definitely. And, uh, but uh, honestly, she's your replacement now. This is your uh-huh. last show. She's and, prettier um, out. She's a lot prettier and smells yeah. better. So, yeah. well, you know. Come on in, Allison. And nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, at, speaking of travel, though, Dane, don't you have a trip coming up with the with the band here soon? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Tooth and Nail got us on a tour with a band called Emery. Mm. And uh, it's, just, it's just like a week long. So, I think it's six dates in the Northeast area. Very cool. November 13th through 19th. Wow. I believe you can go to Loyal's band. Yeah, yeah, you can go to our our pod, um, our Facebook. Edu. Or, right, Loyal's AB. <laughs> Loyal's AB. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. It'll be our first awesome. tour underneath Tooth and Nail, their umbrella. So that's we're great. excited to. I think the shows are going to be pretty packed because Emery's. Kind of resurfaced with their podcast. They do a podcast called Bad Christian. Yeah, and um, they, they've been they've been selling out their shows. So we're we're really excited and really honored to be on it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Very That's pumped. interesting. The whole podcast thing when you can you can like grow a fan base that comes to see you because they heard heard you talk a one hour of you talking. Now they like well, your they, band more. Yeah, well, they actually do. Yeah. Podcast tours, which That's I think is a really cool huh. idea. They they do like house shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where they cool. set up in somebody's living room and like with the PA, and then yeah. they do like their whole intro. It's actually a really great idea. Well, that's what happened with there was a comedian in the '90s and early 2000s uh, in the alt scene named Mark Marin, and he just was kind of a marginal comic. Really, a lot of attitude, a lot of negativity. I mean, he's just kind of like mm-hmm. a very acquired taste, right? His kind of comedy, and uh, 
he literally became basically unbookable by like 04, 05. His manager had to call him and be like, <laughs> I can't book you anymore. Wow. Nobody wants to work with you. You're a jerk. He like retreated to his garage in a uh, suburb of California and started recording conversations with other comedian friends of his. And it's the number one comedy podcast. Of the wow. last. He's like the kingmaker. Like, Who is it? It's Mark Maron. His podcast is called Mark WTF. Man. So, Oh, um, I've heard of that podcast. Yeah. And he's the best interviewer. And it's a real, it's interesting. I always tell Christians this, that do podcasts that, that are pastors or whatever, what, what's the key and all that. And I say, go listen to Mark Maron's podcast. You'll have to get past the WTF moniker. But the cool thing he did was he figured out if he focused on other people for an hour that it made a difference in the way that he entered. And Mm. it ended up – so here's this guy who's completely selfish in his show, borderline narcissistic comedy. Yeah. And then he went into his garage and and started asking these questions of people. Like he pulls stories out of people that they do press tours. Like his Robin Williams is unbelievable before – it was like two years before Robin's – Robin committed suicide. So he starts asking – he doesn't go like, what was it like doing Dead Poet Society? He doesn't mm-hmm. do the press core questions. He goes, what did your dad Oh, he do? actually got Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he has every, oh, everybody. Oh, he's, he's had the president. He's had, he had Barack Obama. Wow. So he uh, – I mean it's a very popular podcast. So he wow. said, uh, what did your dad do? What did your dad do? Was your mom very religious? Like he asked these weird probing questions that gets people into these That's stories. Cool. They don't even know it, that they're telling some story about their first wagon as a kid. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting. So – I always tell Christians like that. It's a very spiritual principle. When you take the focus off you and focus on other people, it's not that you do it to get success, but it's just, it's way more interesting. Right. It's fruitful. Yeah. Good things happen whenever you, yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, a good lesson. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and I do apologize to all of our listeners today, although it might make for a better Mm. podcast voice. Um, I'm a little under the weather right now. And uh, actually I had to, I had to lead worship this morning. Yeah, oh, you do. Oh, that's the worst. When yeah, you're sick and you got to sing. In it. Oh man! And so I was up. Dane, Dane just actually tried. We have this uh, cough syrup, Johnny, from Canada. My oh, wife was in man. Canada on business, and she brought by this. So cough she get syrup. it for free? Was it? Like, is it covered? Did she get socialized medicine? I know that there? there's this thought that everybody in Canada just walking around handing around handing out free cough syrup, and it's like an <laughs> urban legend, you know. But <laughs> we don't have a clown statue. <laughs> The clown statue gave me cough syrup. <laughs> we don't have a clown statue. Run! Um, but this, no, she's called Buckley's. And let me tell you something, man. It's like. Did you say she's called Buckley's? <laughs> no, I said it's called Buckley's. <laughs> okay. Anywho. Uh, it's good though, right? Is it, it working? It's it, not good. I Dane can try some taste of it. Good, I made it some before terrible. we started. That's and, how you know it's medicine though. Like medicine didn't used to taste good. It's, it's like Listerine. Bad. That's why you know it's working because it burns, burns your gums till yeah. you want to die. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it must yep. be working. Look guys, no more cankers. Right. right. <laughs> It's gross, but anyway, it was like kind of gritty too, and I don't think it's supposed to be gritty. I think it was, was gritty. You got to shake it in the cup. I you think there was some residue them. left over. <laughs> you got to shake it. You got well, to shake it and wait till yeah. the foam settles. Are you really? Yeah, that's why. It's, it, no, that's why there's those words oh. in the bottle that say shake, uh, shake well. well. Not on like Dane thought l- that meant like he was supposed to shake. <laughs> I don't know. Is I am shaking? Is there a shake well on like Nyquil and stuff? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, you shake NyQuil, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't think you shake NyQuil, It's not like it's going to explode or something. I don't I think, think there's you any guys, harm It just means you get it weaker. It's like watery on top. You, you, it, it settles the, the good NyQuil settles to the bottom. I think you're and then you get that us. last dose, and it's like morphine. <laughs> 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 you never shook it. <laughs> it's like when you drink a Yoo-Hoo without shaking it, and you get to the bottom, there's a piece of candy down there. You're like, wait a minute. This is, that's not good. Well, 
Well, but the the sickness actually, believe it or not, is a strange transition into introducing our guest for today mm. because mm. Uh, our guest today is one of the best people on the planet. You're going to really enjoy him. You're going to hear him probably fairly often on Talk About That, uh, but he uh, has not been able to come on till now. But his name is John Carey. How you doing, John? John Carey. I am doing great. How I mean, you guys doing? Oh, my goodness, Good John. Man. Banta, banta, banta. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, I'm taking the R out of banter. I'm just making it banter town. That's terrible. But um, John, though, was uh, John actually spoke Johnny this morning uh, at church while you were off uh, loving Curry. The world my my of wife Jesus. Curry was there, and she said it was terrific. He's always terrific. She did say you told a story uh, that you left open ended, and it's bugging her. It's like a it's like an earwig. She just is like, "Well, tell me what happened to JoJo or whatever the kid's oh, name Joe. was." Yeah, yeah. Mm. You never told what happened to Joe. Tell me, tell the story, and then I'll get to her point. Just tell the story. You want me to tell the story? Well, you well, let me to. tell the other story first. A while, oh, I'm sure. connecting the sickness to the. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, John, I'm sorry. I'm, geez. Yeah, geez, geez, Johnny. Yeah. So hold the God. out you for a week even here, and you're trying to <laughs> forget how to podcast. I'm not good with the social <laughs> skills. <laughs> Don't do the words. No, uh, John was uh, telling us. So, John, tell us. So, John's a pastor here. He's our family pastor. At, uh, at our church and uh, works with our youth and works with our connections and, and our dream team, volunteers. But uh, you have another uh, job you've recently taken as well. Tell us about that, John. Yeah, I'm kind of intimidated to be here today. I mean, you've had the mm-hmm. lead singer of an up-and-coming band. You've yeah. had the uh, Island Ninja. Mm, yeah, that's true. And you had a marketing guru. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's like live from Bantertown. Mm-hmm. A preschool and elementary school PE teacher. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, John Carey. Do they still do the parachute game? No, we got the large parachute and the mini parachute. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, I was so scared to death of being caught under the parachute. That's like yeah, what, what where all the happen? unathletic kids. I don't up. know, dude. Kids die under that thing, don't it they? It is intense under there. Okay, and we've got a really thick large parachute, so you can't even see the light shine through it. Oh wow. Hmm. It's not a real parachute, though. Are there companies that just make those parachutes? I'm sure. Yeah. With the handles. That's a really good, that's a great business model. Otherwise, it'd be a lot of money if you're using real parachutes. Here, let's cut all these straps off. (laughs) Yes, it's just weird to think about. Like, I wonder who the first person to do it was, but anyway. Yeah, so I am a uh, a PE teacher for an elementary school that also has a preschool attached to it. Mm. And so, yeah, so I work there full-time and then work for the church part-time. Awesome. Awesome. And tell me what age group. That was where your story came this morning, that uh, you work with a, a variety of ages. Obviously, you work with students, high schoolers and all that. But at school, you're you're working right now with what ages? We go all the way from one-year-old to fifth graders. So I'll have I'll have a class in the morning of one- and two-year-olds, and I might go to a fifth-grade class, and I'll go to like a three- or four-year-old class. Mm. And so uh, we've got 100 and, uh, 135 preschoolers wow. in our school, and I am responsible – for teaching them not only physical education but also Spanish. Now, now hold on. Yeah, we should probably is, point out or ask you a very key question here, John. Do you habla español? Uh, poquito, poquito <laughs> español. Is it pequeño or poquito? Poquito, poquito, poquito. What's pequeño? It's p- Pocono, John. It's hey, that song. I don't know what pequeño is. Yeah, it's. <laughs> There is a there's a use for Pequeño and pe- I don't know. I think Muy Pequeño. I don't know. Is very Pequeño is it's uh, yes. I don't know. Someone who speaks Spanish <laughs> right now. Like you know it is. Well, that I took a up. lot of Spanish, a lot. Mm, yeah, it really paid off. Yeah, you yeah. can tell. Spanish was one of those things that they added on kind of the last minute. So hey, would you mind coming? <laughs> What's the in the room? 
Hey, by the way, <laughs> while we got you here, would you mind teaching Spanish but as well? it's preschool, so it's not like it's super intense. You're more like a Dora the Explorer. Yeah, absolutely, Boots. Guys, we did it. Well, they, they advertise we as like, it. we're exposing every kid to a foreign language from yeah. the time they come to the time they leave. That's okay. Which is really cool until the parents figure out, like, I'm their exposure yeah. right. to you're that expo- foreign The language. foreign language you're exposing them to is to a guy who doesn't speak that language. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I'm learning. You know, I've got, I've got a couple programs that I'm going through and, and trying to do a good job at it. <laughs> but what You I've, said that in case his boss is listening yeah, right now right. to the podcast. <laughs> and I love Working hard at it. And it's great. The people are awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's a great school. Yeah, it is a good school. Yeah. But I, I found that with, with preschoolers is that, and I talked about it this morning, is that they have no sense of personal space. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a big physical touch guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I hate it. Mm-hmm. But these preschoolers. <laughs> one of my favorite things about you. Yeah, I can't stand it. Like, I got a bubble and you belong outside of my yeah, bubble. That makes sense. Um, but Noted. as soon as I walk into the portable in which these preschool classes, I mean, it's like a mob. Like, they're, yeah. they're drawn and they're just wanting to hug and they want to love. And you sit crisscross applesauce and they're having conversations like two inches from your face and they want to touch your face um, and they produce an unbelievable amount of snot. I mean, yeah. it's just a constant <laughs> waterfall from their nose and they sneeze at like the drop of a hat. So when I sneeze, I can feel it coming. I can move my face to my arm. Right. I, said, I said this this morning. Some people, a buddy of mine named Adam, he'll sneeze inside his shirt, like he'll, <laughs> which I think is the weirdest thing ever. That's gross. Like you're just going to – coating your chest hair. You well, you're going to wash your shirt. That's, that's the idea. Well, no, but it's going, it. down it's going down in into the chest hair. <laughs> What's it going to – it's not going to get anybody sick there? At the end of the day, it's like this caked on <laughs> – It's like you coated your <laughs> chest hair. You you're not like a dirty air filter. You're not coughing on your chest. You're coughing into the shirt. I've heard the healthy way now is what they call the vampire sneeze. Have you been taught this? Where you use the – you do this. Yeah. Call it the vampire sneeze because you're. He's putting his arm <laughs> over his mouth right now. <laughs> this is the best. I'm on to sneeze. Because if you sneeze into your hand like we used to do, like put your hand up. Well, then you shake a hand later, and now they're sick. Right. I think it's interesting too that the flu is something that you can transmit the disease as you tell someone you have it. Absolutely. Because flu is like a flu, and then you <laughs> <laughs> spit goes into your mouth as they say, I have the flu, and now we all have it. Well, that's where this story comes from is because these kids are in my face, yeah. and because they sneeze like shotguns, yeah. you don't know what's coming, and it, it propels into, like, my mouth's open. Because I'm having, yeah. trying to have a conversation with them. <laughs> and they're right? right up in your face. And it's like in my face. And I've been sick now for about two months. And I, I used to think it was like allergies or maybe like just something going. And I'm just a human handkerchief. Yeah, you're a Petri dish. For these kids. Man, I got to tell you, when Sadie was little, I told you that this morning. When Sadie was little and, and we feed her oatmeal in the mornings, I swear to you, I think she was allergic to oatmeal. It must just be little kids. And there's no warning. If she sneezed oatmeal, you ever had oatmeal sneezed onto your body Mm-mm. and onto your face? You haven't lived. But if she sneezed oatmeal one morning. It was one of every three. Just a big, just a big pile of oatmeal right in your face, and you can't dodge it. There's nothing you can no. do. I mean, they're dangerous, man. Yeah, I, I, the, that's a weird thing. And to get sick from something like that, like it's just weird to explain. Yeah, I, my kid sneezed oatmeal onto me, and then sorry. I'm sick. Well, he was talking though. John was talking this morning about about. Uh, infectious you know in a yeah. good way these in, infectious parts of being a believer and what it means to be the church and he brought this dude up he brought you know scott gillis he brought scott oh, yeah. up on stage today and he had a can of 
he had a can of uh, silly string in his back pocket. He's like, I want to show you what it's like, you know, with with these preschoolers. And he just uh, he just pulled it out without telling him and just <laughs> sprayed him right in the. I mean, because he had him, he pulled him right up into his face, just like you know. <laughs> It was, it was great, man. The church loved Scott, it. Scott I applaud you, John. It was great. It. Thank you. Scott, yeah, I took Scott, it right Scott in the was eye. A it's a great little object yeah. lesson. Yeah. Beautiful. It was. It was awesome. It was good. And yeah. so, in your in your illustration, the silly string is the gospel. Absolutely. <laughs> We're supposed to go. Unload. I think it was the Apostle Paul who said, who said "Open up a can and, of the gospel." <laughs> <laughs> and Scott's beard was amazing. Scott has a beard. Oh, he caught the string, really and, and good. it like clumped it. it. Like it didn't even stick to it. It was just like repelled. It was like a silly <laughs> string repellent beard. Wow, wow that's pretty good. It's wow. a good reason to grow a beard. Absolutely. I can't believe silly string is still out there. Well, like I, I don't remember the last time I saw. Like that was when it first came Why? out. It was like. A big deal, but people are still using silly string on each For other. For what? What? Do... It's just it's a prank. It's just a toy. It's a prank. It's just a yeah. Hey, but you didn't ruin their day. It's like where did oh, you get? You got me, and then you just pick it all up and you throw it away, and then you go to <laughs> yeah. lunch. Where did I you guess. get silly string, John? I got that at Walmart. Walmart. I got that at Walmart. That's in true. the toy section, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. it is actually in the uh, party section. Party. Se- okay. See, this would be yeah, a frustrating thing when I go to Walmart. I'm frustrated over things like that. Those moments you have to go in to find something, and I would have no clue. Yeah. Where to begin the miscellaneous search? Yeah, there's not for something. a silly string section. Yeah, and by the end of it, you're like, and you can't get anybody to help you. You know, no. they need like a they need like an electronic kiosk or something where you mm-hmm. can you know say silly string, and they would tell you because where in the world? I mean, That'd half that great. stuff ends up being idea. in the checkout aisle or something. Yeah. You know, this is a real first world conversation. Yeah, it is. Like, man, this is so hard. <laughs> I can't find my party novelties. <laughs> <laughs> you call these birthday napkins? Get out of here! <laughs> well, let's move on to this Joe story. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Finish yeah. the Joe story. Yeah. So Joe, Joe is a guy that's that's come to our church, and and he's a little different. You know, he's just um, he dresses a little different. He talks a little loud. I mean, he's 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 got an interesting story of mm-hmm. how he's basically rode across the country on his bike. And he just landed here by happen chance. He ran into some people that go to church here at mm. the park, and they invited him to uh, to play volleyball with him. And that ended up him coming here one Wednesday night to to a thing we have called the gathering. And, and he's just been here off and on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, he just kind of went missing for about a month. And he gave me a phone number. I tried to call his phone. Of course, it had been disconnected. He, we were friends on Facebook. I sent him a Facebook message. He didn't respond to that. And, and then he showed up last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And just I was. Uh, I was just asking him, "Hey man, what happened to you? Where you been? You know, like what's been going on?" And he 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 said that he felt like God was telling him that he just needs to go here and there, like kind of as the wind blows, to be a nomad and just to never settle down. And mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "That's great," except like I don't feel like that's biblical. Like yeah. it, not the part of going and spreading the gospel, but the part of not being connected to people and, and the local right. body and the church. And I was like, man, we want you to be here. We want you to be connected. Like I still want you to go travel. I still want you to go do everything you feel like God's calling you to do mm-hmm. and with the gospel and the people that you want to minister to. But, man, we want to, we want to love you here. And it was a conversation that was like intense at times yeah. and then it was kind of subtle at times. And then it ended with him basically telling me that that he had been to a lot of churches in yeah. his journey. And the majority of churches that he'd been to have kind of asked him to leave. Wow. Like just because oh, he's because he's unreal. different or because, you know, maybe he didn't dress a certain way or didn't talk a certain way. And uh, 
And he, he got a little emotional on me and just said, hey, this is the first time anybody's actually wanted me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and our whole thing is, is like, man, we want you to experience the, the love of Christ. And, and yeah. how you're going to experience that is to be part of the church. You're not going to experience it from just a relationship with me, but to, to be a part of what God's doing here. And so the story about Joe is, is that he is right now, he's in Knoxville. He's trying to get his uh, CDL so he can drive a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, he considers this to be his home church. He texted me this morning, watched it live stream and. He's, con- cool. he's going to continue to go and, and chase what it is that God wants him to do. But now awesome. he has the, the support. And, and That's the, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great. So I didn't I didn't really finish the story with Joe. Well, Curry but, just felt like, is he yeah. out there? Is he in a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he's lost. He's with Sasquatch. <laughs> anyway, um, Joe's dead. Uh, have a great Sunday, everybody. <laughs> yeah, tell Curry my did, bad. Did, uh, did Joe mention to you when he texted you that you talked about him in the, on the live stream? Uh no we we had talked we had talked earlier and I was like man he's, he's just got a cool story I mm-hmm. mean he he's got one of those stories that you just want to share with people I mean because um, yeah. it's got power in it and it's real life and and the way he feels is probably the way somebody else feels and so um no our 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 relationship isn't isn't about mm-hmm. you know any certain ministry. it's about it's a true relationship of a friend like hey how's class going you know yeah. how you doing you know he's got problems with his eyes and so. Um, with not a lot of finances. And so you're seeing things happen in Joe's life that are great. And we just want to be there and be a part of it with him. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That's right. awesome, man. Yeah. John, you talk a lot about, uh, there's a, and, you know, I mean, I just, I got, I got all my great friends around the table today. So it's amazing. Um, and something that, you know, we all got little things we talk about. Something, John, you say all the time to me. Um, and I, even you told me when you were talking to Joe and even you're talking to me, you use a certain phrase uh, called perceived truth. It's kind of a big thing for you right now. And um, tell us about perceived truth and, and maybe give us an example of what you mean whenever you would use that that term. Yeah, I think the the best way I can describe it to people is that if, if imagine yourself that we're sitting at a four way stop and, and there's four of us and we're all at different intersections mm-hmm. and there's a wreck that happens in the middle. You know, there was one wreck that happened. But then you have four people that have seen it. Yeah. And so Dane's description of that wreck might be different from mine. That doesn't make mine wrong. It doesn't make Dane's wrong. But he might have a different perception, a different perceived truth of what happened. That might even be different from Johnny's and might mm-hmm. even be different from John's. Um, but it really made sense to me uh, crazy in a Little League baseball game. Mm-hmm. So my son is 11 and loves to play baseball. And he wants to play Little League baseball. And every dad wants to coach. You're like, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to coach my son because you're like, you know what? I'm going to make a difference in these kids' lives. We're going to learn the fundamentals. We're going to have fun. Yeah. You know, and, and then you get out there and your, your inner Tom, Tommy Lasorda takes over, and it's mm-hmm. all about just and, – and Little League Baseball is crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and so we played, and, and my team was not very good. Like, obviously, I'm not a very good judge of talent because I went to the little <laughs> draft thing. And, uh, oh, picked, you get to pick players? Oh, yeah, you pick the players. Little League oh, draft. Yeah. You picked the little I thought league. it was based off of geography and neighborhoods. Oh, no, league. man. It's little league is tough. Bro, let me tell you something. You Rick Patino any of these kids? Give them I, a little bag of cash? <laughs> no, but I feel like I got <laughs> it's like, Rick. It's, been, it's like fun dip. I know? feel like I got Rick patino you know? Because <laughs> this is my first year doing it, you know, and all these other guys. It's Rick been, Pocono, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first year. All these other dudes have been yeah. doing it for a long time, and so they knew the player. I didn't when know. When you played college baseball. I did. You uh, know well, what I you're used doing. the word played lightly. 
Oh, come on, man. You're an athlete. What we should probably tell our listeners is that John Kerry is actually a superb athlete. Like, yeah. Okay, you were a high school – you won state championship high school as a Guys, receiver. at the end of the day, I'm still a preschool PE teacher. Let's don't build me. You already lost your listeners doesn't when I said matter. that. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. So all these dudes have been – all these dudes have known yeah. these kids. And yeah. so I feel like my team – like right. we're, we're a dumpster fire at the beginning of yeah. the season. And so we keep working, we keep working, and, and somehow we find our way into the championship series. Mm-hmm. Like it's a best two out of three series. And my team is somehow made it there. And so I'm sitting on this bucket, and we're playing the number one team, the team that's just dominated everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I might have like a, a Scotia ADHD or something, but I'm sitting on this bucket during the game, and it's intense, you know. Mm-hmm. We got parents who are yelling, and they're screaming at their kids and, you know, all this is going on, and I just find myself as we're batting and the other team is pitching, like the, the kid would throw the ball, and I would just say if it looked like it was going to be a ball, I would just say, nope, nope. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it. to Like the fact that you thought that my 11-year-old son <laughs> could hear that as a pitch is coming from 43 feet away, yeah. like, the, like it just doesn't add up. Yeah. But, I mean, I was just bored, and I'm sitting over there, and I could tell the other coach was getting upset. Yeah, and I didn't know what he was getting upset about. So I'm just sitting on their bucket eating. I got two assistant coaches that did the most of the coaching. I just sat over there and ate sunflower seeds and, mm-hmm. and stole their Gatorade while they weren't looking. <laughs> and I'm saying, nope, nope. All of a sudden, parents start yelling at me, you know. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a pastor of a church, I'm so, but, man, it got heated. Yeah. And uh, after the game, I go to shake the hands, and one of the assistant coaches from the other team is a good friend of mine, and he just walks by me, like almost shoulder bumps me. What? Huh. Yeah, didn't even say Did y'all win or lose? First? Oh, we won. Okay. We won the first game somehow. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, it was like the feeding of 5,000 that night. I don't even know how it happened, but we won. <laughs> and uh, they walk on by, and I could tell something was wrong. So I, I call him. Mm-hmm. later on, and he's like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk what? to you. Yeah. And so then I called the head coach because I had his number, and he was like, what you did tonight, what you did tonight was wrong. You need, there's this term in baseball called bush league. And so right, if you right, do right. something that's not necessarily – It's like it's beneath you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's cheating, basically. And I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you were telling your kids that whether or not they should swing. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Right, and then he said, "You know, if, if we would have been playing, I would have took, I would have pitched the ball and hit your son right in the back." You know, Whoa. like, like I was like, "Okay, wow. oh no!" But it was like I, I wasn't doing that to like. There's no way, like, you think these kids can't even tie their shoes? You know, yeah. there's no way that they can hear me say, "Nope." Decide whether in time, or not, whether or not they're going to swing or not. Or not. Yeah. You know, and uh, but in the middle of it, I was like, "This dude really believes that." Yeah, like he really believes it, and not only is he not listening to me. Mm-hmm. He's like building a case against me. Yeah. And not only am I not listening to him, like I'm building a case to, you know, yeah. and it was just like, it was a car wreck yeah. that he saw one way and that I saw the next. And uh, the the big thing about perceived truth is this, is that when you have it, you, you're not listening to someone else that maybe yeah. might not agree with you. You're just all of a sudden trying in your brain while they're talking to try to figure out what you're going to say. Right. Um, and, and so it actually it actually cost me the friendship with, with that other guy. Wow. And, you know, and, and he, we've, we've talked since, um, but the relationship we had is not the same because to them, I'm like a little league uh, – Little league signal stealing, cheat. right? You know, You're Bill just, Belichick. You know, because, and to make matters worse, they came, they came and won the second game. Yeah, and then the last game because you have a pitch count, and so we had two good pitchers, and we worked it out where we could have uh-huh. those two good pitchers. The first game and the last game, where they had to use all their pitching in the first and second. We beat yeah. them the last game, 
22 to nothing. Oh, oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just like a— They didn't need you, you, know, yeah. didn't need so you shouting our, out. Our dumpster fire—no, our dumpster fire of the Little League team actually won the championship. Look at that, You know dude. what I'm saying? Nice. You know. Not that that rec- matters. Recruit, right? Not that that matters. Who's keeping up with scores? That's really, right. But you know, it's all about yeah. the kids. It's all about the kids. <laughs> it's all about the kids. <laughs> it's all about the kids. <laughs> Come get your orange slices, That's baby. Right, yeah. <laughs> Snack time. <laughs> Who wants a Capri Sun? Who's your daddy? Wait, hold no. daddy's hold daddy's trophy for him. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Help me live. That's a two man live. I may have I missed this. I may have missed. Why were you saying no? Uh, you know, I don't really know. It wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't. You knew the pitches were balls. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I guess I guess as a you know as a former athlete and that you're coaching your son and you so desperately want like you want to be a part of it yeah and so now i'm over here just i mean baseball baseball to me and this is going to sound and i know you got a lot of baseball fans baseball to me is one of the most boring things ever that's unbelievable it's, yeah. un- baseball. it's unbelievably be, boring sure. and then try to coach it you know it's like yeah. it, so you have to find something to pass your time and that was just that night. It was just sitting on the bucket and like nope <laughs> it is interesting how things can come out though like i remember we, we used to watch this we used to watch a UT Vols games. Remember the guy that every play, somehow he was near the mic one time, one of the mics <laughs> on the broadcast. We were all watching at your house or watching it at Brian's house one time, maybe. And every time they would like kick the ball, every time anybody would punt, he'd go, Get your hands up! <laughs> Get your hands up! And he was near one of the mics. And so he said, Get your hands up. I was like, What does that even mean? Get your hands up. Hands up! I was like, what? What is that? It's like he was a tick or something. I don't even know what sport he Turns was out he watching. wasn't a coach. Yeah, he was he just, no, he dude. wasn't a coach at all. He was just a fan, but he was near one of their oh, things. Yeah. And so it was just some drunk guy screaming, get your hands up. And that's what you were. Yeah. Spiritually. That was, and, and, you were that drunk guy. You know, and I didn't expect, like, the, the, the head coach I didn't have a relationship with. Yeah. The other guy I did. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you expect that the relational bond that you have to kind of override the fact that you're not listening to what I'm saying and that, you know, and it was just a, but it was really eye opening to me is that as someone that is trying to present the gospel Mm -hmm. um, to people that sometimes already have a truth or already have a way they believe, or maybe don't believe at all. Yeah. Like once you understand the perceived truth is the fact that you have to get them to actually listen to you Mm -hmm. before they'll ever hear you, you know, And, and me too. Like I have it with my wife, like my wife will be, saying something that she believes to be true, and I have a totally different opinion. And instead of actually listening to her, like I'm mounting like a Johnny Cochran-esque defense about what I want, and and, you know, and so it it is really more so for me about actually beginning to listen, to beginning to to understand that um, those those, those two guys weren't malicious. Like they weren't trying to say that, Mm. you know, but what they they were doing is their their failure to listen um, and their failure to actually hear. And sometimes my failure to hear them caused a a whole lot more of an actual, you know, drama than than it really should have been. Yeah, I think we're seeing that everywhere in the country as far as that. Like our biases are so prevalent that it's hard to have a real conversation because what you do when you have a perceived uh, truth of, of like, well, everybody that you, what you're saying is everybody that doesn't believe like me is just wrong or they're an idiot. I mean, we're seeing that with the gun control argument now. We're seeing it with uh, race relations. Anybody that doesn't fall in line with your your belief, it's like it's easy to just dismiss them as like they're not even a person, uh, you know. And everybody just wants to have the last word. So yeah, we're we have to figure out how to start listening to other people, even if we don't agree with them to go, where are you coming from? Absolutely. So that we can start, you know, I've got, I've got a friend that that's, I mean, he'll tell you he's an atheist. I mean, he, yeah. he's and 
for years, you know, you're just building. I'm just building this case that thinking that one day he's going to get so frustrated mm-hmm. because he can't get a word in. And my case is so solid that all yeah. of a sudden he's just going right. to change and give it. Like, and it's just not how it works. Yeah, yeah. So now to, to, to actually listen to him, to find out when and, and where and why and, and to begin to not only just want him to, you know, want him to understand what's going on, but to right. actually understand him. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's changed. It's changed our. It's changed our relationship. I mean, he still he still has his hangups and his beliefs, but now I'm able to actually hear him. Well, you know, the position that I come from as a recovering Pharisee, as you guys know, and the one who wanted to always be the expert. Like what I had to address in my life was is when I'm not listening to someone else, when I'm not hearing their side. Yeah. It doesn't mean necessarily that their side has to change my side, but when I can't even hear it. It is a position of insecurity. It yeah. is a position you 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 consider it a position of yeah. of dominance. That well, I, I'm already so certain of this. But if it's dominance, or if you if it was absolutely if you were so absolutely certain, then you won't be threatened by yeah. hearing the other side. But it's the dismissal of someone's person. That's what you're really doing. You're dismissing their value yeah. when you can't hear what they're saying. We've been talking about that a lot in the last you know several episodes on the podcast, even about. Figuring out, you know, what it is that you you're talking about perceived truth, and another good word for that would probably be beliefs. You know, the things that I believe that I believe, and the things that I actually believe. This this separation, and we even asked some questions last week with Allison and Dane. We were we were going through some questions from Brennan Manning and from Max Licato and others that that are causing you to like actually assess because I believe that crisis in your life, or I believe certain conversations, certain experiences in your life. They will reveal to you uh, what you actually believe and not what your perceived yeah. truths are. But they'll show you what those real things – and they're gifts, really. I think that's why, again, the book of James is so clear that you should count it all joy when you fall into some these various kinds of trials because the testing of your faith produces something is what it says. It's, it's that testing produces something. Yeah. It brings it to the surface to say, oh, I didn't know this about myself, but this is who I really am uh, as opposed to, to who I was. And that that idea, you know, and I was I was telling, you know, John the other day, even when you're you're thinking about the idea of church, mm-hmm. even, you know, what people perceive or people think that their churches are. What I thought my church or my youth ministry was for so many years, if you would have said, "Well, you're a place where you proclaim this or you proclaim that," whether it be you know God's love or whether it be that God changes lives or all yeah. those things, I would said absolutely. And then you know, one day I went and looked up the actual legal name for the country of North Korea. And you know what the real name of North Korea is? The People's Democratic Republic of North Korea. Mm-hmm. People's Democratic Republic yeah. of North Korea. Mm. The the flag and the name on the flag of that country could not be any more different than right. what the country actually is. It's a dictatorship. It's, it's, it's a place of atrocity. Yeah. But the flag you're flying says one thing, and, and you just got to wonder how much as myself as a believer or how much as the church, we're flying things that we believe, yeah, this is what represents us. This is, our, this is what we believe. This is our truth. This what's really a perceived truth. And how do you get down to the evidence you know, of what that really is what's really going on is mm-hmm. there really is there really a, a, a grace or a love that is transcending someone's faults or someone's performance to yeah. the point is there really a transformation can you tell a story right. about someone's life who's changed because of this because if not then I, that's what's come so true in my life it's just a perceived truth it's not necessarily the yeah. truth well you, and you never know as a church until like for for me uh, you know i've been attending here for a while and it's like 
for me, it's when you start thinking, because I was a young, adult, young adults pastor here, and I started thinking about how to grow the group. How do I get more people? Because we were meeting in my house on Tuesday nights for so long. And we'd have 18, we'd have 15, we'd have 20, we'd have 23, then we'd have five. And we, it was crazy. College kids, just the way it is. And I was like trying to grow. And then I realized that number was so important to me. And the kids I was imagining, the students I was imagining coming to the group were, they had it all together. Right. And it exposed that real weakness of our group that I wanted kids that I did not have to fix or that I did not, they were not my projects. And I don't even like that anyway, because people don't really like being your projects. I've learned that. That's another thing I've learned in ministries. People don't like being your projects. No. You know, they want, they're human beings and they don't want to be fixed by you necessarily. They want to be heard. They want to be listened to. And obviously we let God do the fixing. But this idea of, are you drawing a drug addict to your church? Are you drawing somebody who's like deeply wounded and in pain? Yeah. Or are you like, listen, as soon as you get a job locked in and you're ready to tithe, mm-hmm. And you know you're you got your two point five kids like we are ready for you here at, at this right. church. Yeah, it's demographic based for and a lot of it's American like, churches. That's yeah. what we. That's the message we send out. I did a church. Uh, uh, they said I did a youth convention. They said, "Hey, can you stay over and speak at our church on Sunday morning?" I said, "Sure." It was in New Jersey, and they said they started telling me about their church. They said we're very diverse, and that's a real like code word. Uh, in my experience, and it means like we have one interracial couple. And we put them on the life group manual. So do you think that we have black people here? And I was like, okay, sure, you're a diverse <laughs> church. I got there, and they did a song in English, and they did a song in Spanish. They taught That's the Spanish awesome. version of the chorus to the crowd. There was like United Nations on the stage. There was a, you know, and they were playing these instruments I hadn't seen. There was a, the pastor was this white guy, but this church was sort of, and I was like, they're modeling for the crowd what they want to see. We want to see people of all colors come to yeah. know Christ. So we're going to put, it's like people that say, we really wish we could draw more college age kids, but they just don't love the gospel. Like blah, blah, blah. Well, no, like, are you, is anybody that's a millennial on your staff? Are you at least a consultant? Do you have anybody? So if you're not modeling it, the world sees that and they're like, we're not welcome here. You know, know, my friend, uh, his name is Hunter. And we talk a lot about church things. And he said something great to that end in terms of what you're expecting inside a church. Mm -hmm. He said, he has got two small children. He said, if you come to my house and you open the door, my house is an absolute wreck. Yeah. Children are running around everywhere, stuff strewn everywhere, and it's chaos. The last thing you would say, though, about his house is, is there's no life here. Yeah. You would expect if there's if there's real life there of that age. Mm-hmm. And his whole point was, is a lot of churches, they want just like you said, they want full-grown, problem-free Christians mm-hmm. to come walking in the door. And we assume that the mess, if someone comes in and, and they're struggling and they don't look the, look the part or speak the part, or I mean, I'm talking, you know, we're not just, this is not some just theory. It's difficult. It's difficult to build relationships whenever you're socially awkward or separated by culture from someone else. We don't need to downplay it. Right. It's not always easy. It has to be something bigger than you that causes you to not only to to be willing to do that, but to see the value and the desire to do that. And and how we don't want a messy house. We don't want a place. Well, Johnny, how in the world do we deal with all the translations or how do we deal yeah. with, with the drug addict? Or, you know, how are we going to, what are we going to, are we going to let our kids go to lunch 
with people who don't, you know. Right. And, and at the end of the day, the the house that is full of life is going to be the house that's full of that kind of mess. And I, I think that that we we desire that that immaturity. And John, you were talking this morning about the evidence. You know, you told a story about your daughter and uh, and dancing, didn't you? This morning, yeah. Tell us yeah. that story. So my daughter's eight. Uh, she loves to dance. She loves to move, gyrate, whatever you want to call it. And uh, probably shouldn't call it gyrate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hips don't lie guys hips do not lie (laughs) but uh and she'll just she'll just start doing it and uh we were at we were at gatlinburg tennessee this Mm. week um the uh what we call redneck aspen um and uh (laughs) we were there and we were at this place called the island and there was bluegrass music playing and there's this dude from north carolina i met him afterwards and he just starts doing this little jig it's almost like river dancing like redneck river dancing is what this was i mean he was just moving his feet his upper body was still um and then Shelby, my daughter, just starts doing it right behind him. Mm-hmm. And in about 30 seconds, I mean, it wasn't a complex dance. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like MC Hammer's dance back in the day. <laughs> this thing, if you could basically move your feet, you could do it well. And so 30 seconds, she was doing it just like him. And I just got to thinking, man, that's really cool. Shelby's in, in 30 seconds has picked mm-hmm. up this dance. And so I, told the, I showed the video of her doing this dance and told that story. And I was like, well, imagine now if I would have told you that... Shelby had been in dance class for eight years with one of the greatest dance instructors ever. Yeah. You know, and this is the final product. And show them the same video. Yeah. You know, you would have been like, oh, wow, that's right. uh, <laughs> miraculously <laughs> mediocre right yeah. there, you know. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's kind of the story. And, and it, the crazy thing about truth is, and especially when it comes to church, is that you develop your, like, I'm going to develop my own truth. And I'm going to develop it off of an experience and off of a conversation or off of what I see in people. And, and a lot of times with church is that you're developing a, a, what you what you think is truth by maybe a, an experience that didn't go very well. Um, I had somebody after service today come up to me and say, uh, that was pretty good for a felon, you know. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like I got a felony two years ago or I got charged with a felony yeah, yeah. two years ago. We're going to talk about that. Too, we, so. no, we're just get ready. Bad. You open that can. <laughs> but, it's like, string. but it's like I looked at him and I'm like, I mean, I just got done pouring my heart out to you for, for 27 minutes. I got mm-hmm. done early so you could go to Cheddar's. Mm. You got to you know, rub that in, don't you? You know what I'm saying? You just, hey, some people keep it in the time frame. Curry texted me, and it was like 11, 20 or 11. She goes, like, we're out. Where are you at? And I was like, I'm still in the air. <laughs> Who preached? <laughs> I knew it couldn't have been. Yeah, so I, was I, was like, like, right. I was like, man, have you been, have you been waiting for, for 25, 27 minutes now just to tell me that? Yeah, like, just, and yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. perceived truth is me is for, yeah. because of – and I don't yeah. have a relationship with the guy. The one thing that you know about me yeah. is how you're always going to view me. Yeah. And that's just not fair. It's not fair because even in the Bible, the Bible always is talking about transformation. The Bible is always talking about being renewed. And the thing with Shelby and the dancing is this. It's like if I'm a part of this body of Christ right. f- for 10 years and I am still the same person that I was when I first encountered Christ, then, man, then something's either wrong with me or something's wrong with the body that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I want to be a part of somewhere that's growing, that's that's challenging, that's being discipled, that, that is constantly um, being pushed to be renewed and to see what God's doing today. Because I can't control what happened yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday's over. And tomorrow, so uncertain. But right now, 
um, it, it is a great time. It's the moment I'm in control of. Yeah. And, and so to constantly be growing and to not be, I don't want to be viewed. I don't want to be viewed as the like psycho little league coach that's over on the bucket saying, yep, because he's got ADHD and he ran out of sunflower seeds. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be, I want to be judged by, by the person that I'm becoming, not even so much the person that I am. Oh, that's yeah. good. I mean, we say, we say this in our house a lot, you know, no man is the sum of his faults. Mm-hmm. And that is the way we want to judge people. Um, but I think the flip side is, is this, this idea that we, we're so afraid of judgment, we don't evaluate. Right. You know, we don't ever look and say, okay, like, like you just said, hey, that's a good dance. How many years have we been taking lessons? You know, look, if our church wants to be this, where, where is that happening? It's not a, it's not a, a checklist or anything, but in our own lives, if we, and I think this is less about where are the people being holy and righteous? It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, where is, where is the diversity in our lives? Am, am I encountering someone who's not a Christian yeah. and having a conversation ever just because I care about them? Or is my bubble, you know, my buddy, uh, my brother-in-law, Greg, who'll be on the show at some point, you know, we used to talk about this is you get, you, you start working in a church for so long, if you don't have a lot of interaction with people on the outside, it becomes like North Korea to you. Yeah. It's its own little world, and you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's now it's now the rules are changed, and and you no longer can interact with just normal people at Walmart. And and there was a movement among full time pastors to go out and get like part time jobs, just not for the money, literally just to be in the community and to be exposed to regular people again. And yeah. the original church was regular people. And so you, you when it becomes a profession, and I think the same thing is is true. I, we, I want to be a place where my perceived beliefs and my perceived truths and my actual beliefs and actual truths are the same. I think there's always going to be this chasm between the two that you're trying to span. But it's good to ask those questions and, and think about it. And you were telling a story about the dancing. Johnny, remind me a story when oh, we were right. on the road. <laughs> it did me too. Yeah, guys, where were we at? I think it was Johnson City, Tennessee, maybe? Yeah, it was somewhere way, way east. And this, yeah, this pastor wanted to play some songs before us. Well, let's be honest. He was nervous. Yeah, he was nervous. This is early on in our band days. And we we were... He had an acoustic guitar. And we pulled out the electrics. he led worship for yeah. his service. It was the voice sponsor, so he did his own yeah. worship lead. So he pulls out this guitar and starts playing. Well, then he see your guitar, and he goes, "That's not a, you're not going to plug that Oh, up, yeah, that was you? the first thing, is I was unloading the gear, and he saw that I had an electric guitar. And he <laughs> right, says, that's, like, that's that, right, Dane. Yeah. Is that for... Here and I go. <laughs> no, no, it's just for looks. Yeah, it's it like look. I pulled out. Yeah, it might as well have pentagrams on it. Like he did not understand <laughs> that that was going. Consequently enough, it did. Yeah, right. No, I, yeah, but uh, that was bad. I, you, that's some gigs you just know. You, you it's s- a bad vibe. You see, you look on there. You're like, they're not. They're not ready for this. What we're getting ready to do, or they're not expecting. It's not this. like we were metal or something either. No, like, no, yeah, we're not we were, at all. But he just thought, you know. Like electricity and guitars shouldn't go together or something. I don't <laughs> like, know. like it says in the but Bible. But he played an acoustic. I was trying to encourage him, you know, and he played a few songs and he was just, he knew three or four chords and he was strumming as best he could. And I was like, well, this guy, whatever, he's leading worship for his own church. Here's a guy who's like learned to play the guitar probably so he could do this because there's no right. worship leader. So I told him, I was, it was like after dinner, I said, man, you know, you play pretty good man uh how long you been playing and i expect him to say like six weeks you know (laughs) (laughs) he said something like 10 or 15 years (laughs) i was like oh oh well good good for you okay oh dear yeah that's what happens to me like when i I started playing when i was 18 
And then we were in, we started the band, I think I was 24. We played, we played, and then, you know, we played for seven years together. But people go, well, how long have you been playing? How long have you been playing? Like, well, I started when I was 18. Man, you're really good. You're really good. But now, like, yeah. if somebody asks me, how long have you been playing? I'm like, since I was 18, I'm like, oh, that's about right. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told Dave that story this morning. I was you don't like, just keep getting better. Like, there is a cap, I guess, yeah. for me. I, I, maybe there shouldn't be, but I'm just like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I told, Dave, I told Dave before I left worship this morning, I was like, I told the story that you just told. I was like, that's probably what you think about me. No, <laughs> it's like, not I got these, think about you. I got these five, six chords here. Well, I think people's abilities should, should tailor to what they're using the tool for. Like if you're using the thing, right. whatever it is, a guitar, piano, your voice, you know, whatever it is, like use it for the purpose that you need it. You don't have to spend hours upon hours every day practicing the guitar to make it work for what you're using it for. That's true. Just, I'm a worship leader and I just write play some chords songs. and that's fine. Yeah, right. That's I'm cool. not trying to out, out play solos and get gigs. Well, that's the thing, stuff. Tim. I tour with Tim Hawkins and he's like more of a music fan than he's a comedy fan. His heroes are all musicians and. And so we were talking about Tom Petty one time who just passed and is really mm-hmm. kind of sad. Very and, sad. And uh, luckily I got to see him live this past year, which was amazing. But we talk about Petty all the time because here's a guy who's – their songs are so simple. Yeah. But it's not a matter of like – then you could go see like Joe Satriani or one of these guitar metal gods and they just play every note. It's unbelievable. But it's not remarkable to you. It doesn't stay with you. You don't go, pop that pop that in so I can hear right. him do this shredding. Yeah. It's not, but Tom Petty, three chords, and you never forget those songs. Totally it's agree. Play, are you playing the right chords? Yep. Yeah. And well, it's, it's, I think a lot of it's about creativity, too. So you can learn scales all day yeah. that are preset, and that yeah. helps you get better at guitar. But mm. the second you figure out how to play that scale in a way that's creative mm-hmm. and you make it your own, now it's something to remember. Yeah. Now it's, now it's a big deal. Well, I know play, people who play the piano, and they start playing the guitar later in life. And one guy told me, he said, I wanted to play the guitar because if you hear a piano piece, it's very exact and yeah. there's no finger, what you call fingerprints on it. Uh, there are styles. There's an Andre Crouch kind of hammer style and there's an Elton John kind of style. But really, there's like four or five different styles on there. When you hear a guitar being played, you know immediately if it's Eric Clapton. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know Jimi Hendrix. Right. There's just something about it that you can inject your own creativity into it. And that's yeah. kind of what makes it unique. I have, uh, I have no musical talent whatsoever. Yeah. But not true. That chord that, that you true. just played that sounded like Chewbacca. <laughs> dude, it was amazing. <laughs> Could you do that again? Um, what did I do? Dude, you were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't learn how to play that chord. That's good. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't, funny. that kind of electric. John, you've, you've been practicing a little guitar. I have. You've I, been I, learning? Uh, you know, John I, Kerry. Uh, you know, I, I, when you're around this kind of environment, mm. you feel insufficient if you can't. Well, that's um, our goal. But I am. feel insufficient. Like I'm about as probably. Welcome to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably as about as flaky as they come when it comes to stuff like that because I will I will pick up a guitar and be like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to play this guitar. And then I spend the week at Gatlinburg and I come home and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play the banjo. Yeah. I went to the Wilson County Fair and I'm going to learn how to make funnel cakes. You know, yeah. and it all lasts. It all mm-hmm. lasts. Yeah. For, the world uh, needs all those things. You know, it all lasts for. Uh, for about five to five to six weeks, and yeah. then I move on to the next. By the way, thing. John's not lying. He makes funnel cakes. He made one for me at a makes birthday party. Cakes. Yeah, well, you you yes. kind of you kind of took a lot of pressure off of me when you say you only have to use the tools that you have or the ability you have for what you need them for. You know, I've been I've been really stressing because my funnel cakes can't really taste like I don't know a funnel cake. 
And what does so, it taste like? I, what, you know, whatever the opposite of a, some, of, some of them a are good. Pie. Some, of, some of them are good. <laughs> but, you know, and so I've had to, like, I'm using the wrong kind of basket. I need to get a flat plate. But now that Dane's told me that I really only have to use the tools that I have for oh, what I man. need them for. And so all I really want to do is just feed them to my kids. And so mm-hmm. they can pretty much taste like anything now. So. In other news, John's cholesterol is <laughs> yeah, off. I, you know, <laughs> John's kids. John's kids are three Funnel bills each. Are amazing, though. <laughs> yeah, agreed. You know, and we uh, – got to play Little League just to burn off the calories. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, funnel cakes are one of those things where you just go, what could – what possible use – there's some food that's just literally garbage. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've there's deep, no redeeming quality. We've to that deep food. fried Oreos for people, and my son is like really dying for me to try to deep fry butter. I'm like, what are we? That's a fair thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. He said he saw it at the fair, deep fried oh. butter, and so uh, that you know, well, that's why that's why you're on the sidelines saying nope. Mitchell kept asking you for <laughs> yeah, funnel cakes. That's right, cakes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Can we have that? Can we have that deep fried butter? He nope. was just burping. Actually, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah. nope. But Dad, I really want it. Nope. nope. God, that's yeah. funny. The food at ball games is terrible food. It is. So here's a little league story for me. I don't. But John, it's so did you, good. Did you know I played the league, John? Yeah. You know, I played the league when I was nine years old, oh. and I was terrible. I was on the best team though. Mm. So oh. I was the terrible kid coincidence on the best team. Yes, and I was a little literal easy out. Like everybody came in. Did they I say easy about, out? Yeah. Did they oh. play right field? The kids moved in. The kid, everybody moves in, and that's a big, that's a moment. You know, that's you know what I'm saying. The parents moved in. Everybody had it. And but here's a, here's one thing that's funny. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but every game they would go like we'd win every game almost. So I think we lost one game that year, and the coach would be like, "Guys, it's a great game. Let's go get something to drink at the concession stand." And we'd go, I go, and we could go get whatever we want from the concession stand. And so then I did that two years. So I, my mom. You know, you never know what's going on with your parents. They get letters from school. They get letters from places. You don't know usually. For some reason, it was like my first window into, oh, mom got a letter from the Little League people, and this costs money. She got a bill. What? (laughs) She got a bill? It was like the second year, and they go, well, your uniform was this, and blah, 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 and we're going to change uniforms next year. And it said, drinks for after the game. Like, I thought it was just a guy being like, that coach is awesome. He's, he's, nice kids. he's, he's yeah. paying for all these drinks. Ends up you're running we, the tab. They oh. charged the parents. Oh my did they? Did the parents know that he was going to do that? I don't know. And it probably was 10 bucks or something, but it's still like a – it made it feel like less special to me. Right. You know, that he's like, you guys go get whatever you want. <laughs> you know, he's just like under his breath. Keep an eye on that one over there. One order of nachos for him. Yeah. I'm like, what? Did your, uh, did your coach give game balls out when you – No, okay, no. I, I, I wouldn't how have that, got one. I would, but you would have had to get one. Because you probably that's could have paid to get the only, one. You could have had paid I, extra the, money. The only way to get one, if I could have gotten a game ball, it would have been like, like I would like I, to know the. Speech. I was terminal, you know, and they found it out. <laughs> We're going to dedicate this season. You know, he's a champion. You know, no wonder he couldn't swing. You know, they need an explanation. Oh, you did your brother on Butch Jones's team. Oh, Champion wow. We almost made it, Dane. We almost made it to nah, your show. We got Are they going to fire him, John? It's bye week. We, we still have to talk about UT football. Are they going to fire him? Yes. Guys, I don't do you want him to fire Butch? Listen, if you, you don't want to start over, question, if you, you don't want to start over with a new guy. If you want a yes or no answer, then give me a yes or no question. <laughs> because these are too complicated. Do you think that we can put a winning team together under Butch you know, Jones? John Kerry is a state championship football coach. You know that, right? Perhaps Ooh, yeah. we have him here right <laughs> With insight. now. insight. We should ask him his opinion on this. John Kerry, yes. have the Vols crushed your soul? Are you even a Vol fan? You know, I, I'm not a – I enjoy 
good football. I am not like a diehard. Well, then, so no, you're not a football <laughs> <You know>? fan. <laughs> I enjoy, you know, um, here's word. the thing with Butch Jones for me. I think I think Butch Jones is an unbelievable salesman. So, like, if I had a hardwood floor company, yeah, right. I would hire Butch right. Jones. Recruiter. He's getting good recruits. Absolutely. They, we would blow my hardwood flooring company up. Yeah. You know, um, I do not think he is a good football coach, X's and O's, and, and a game-time coach. Um, so I, I, I hear UT fans, especially the one that I, I'm around a Lofton, like where mm. like this <laughs> nine-win season has yeah. become okay. And so I think if, 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 if for a fan base, if that's okay, then I think he's, I think he's capable of winning eight to nine games. Yeah. Um, especially with the the schedule they play with the non conference game, and then let's Whoa, just face it. Oh, we got like top non conference. Okay. Well, I'm saying, but I'm saying, but like, and the we SC- almost lost to UMass. John. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the- almost lost is a strong term. We won by four. <laughs> and the SEC, <laughs> the SEC is struggling. You know, yeah. the SEC isn't yeah. isn't quite as dominant as everybody and wants yet to make we're it terrible. And so I think that if you ever want to get to a place where you're competing for an SEC championship and mm-hmm. trying to make it into the playoffs, I don't think Bush Jones is your guy. I just don't. I, I don't think he has the 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 in-game coaching that it takes to right. get you there if you don't have the Alabama-type athlete. Yeah, I think – I love when people like – people do this in Christian music too. They'd be like they def, – they'd defend like Carmen would put out the fifth – Album in a row that sounded exactly the same, and people would be like, "But his heart, <laughs> his heart though, it's to the kids, and it's Carmen, and he loves the Lord, and he's leading." You'd be like, "Yeah, but musically, this is pretty awful, and our our art is terrible." Like we, we used to get mad in the Christian community, like, well, "We can't get played on regular radio." But you look back and you go, "Well, a lot of our art was terrible. We had no mm-hmm. right to expect airplay." Uh, well, when you want to defend a code, you don't say like his heart. You say like, "Well, listen, he's not real good with X's nose." He loves those kids, <laughs> you know. They're <laughs> and uh, that's I don't. Know. I want to see like somebody's like I'm not good with X's and O's. You're like, well, this is tic tac toe. That's all it is. <laughs> Everything we do here is X's and O's, and you're terrible. You're the worst tic tac toe player we've ever seen. You put a question mark. I don't like, even understand. Like a computer what programmer. I'm not really good with ones and zeros. <laughs> that's right. I can't do binary. Very good. <laughs> I, do, I do think that they. I mean. The firing the coach midseason like is never a good move. It's, right. it's just because you, well, it's a huge signal to recruits to like it is. Yeah, it is. And, and so you know, but I am tired of hearing about the buyout. Like let's let's don't act like UT UT athletics. Oh yeah, that buyout like, nothing. Uh, it's nothing to them. And One so, booster could come up with that. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, nine, probably are, yes, nine million dollars, guys. Nine. Drop in the bucket. What do, not, what do you think million. our budget for athletics is at UT? Did you know we're one of the only self sufficient athletic departments? That we don't take any money from the state, and our football department, I believe, is also self-sufficient from the athletic department. So it might be less than you think. Which means they've got a lot of money. That's what I think. That's what I hear. I think it's like in seventy, eighty million dollars a year. Right. So what's nine? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. To keep from losing, like if you keep losing these games, now you know he's not just the only coach because we stop selling out games, etc. John, does assistant coaches do they have buyouts? Too? Johnny's. Uh, right. You know, I I, right. I I I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to. I would say not. I would say that they that, that Bob Shoup just came in for a million dollars a year. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think I don't think an assistant coach, if they do have bios, it's unbelievable. Whoever their agent is, unbelievable to get an. Yeah, I remember when we fired Jerry bio. Green and like we were still for the basketball team, we were still paying him like eight coaches later. Oh, Jerry Green was still drawing a check wow. from his buyout. Hey, and I will say this, though. It is almost time to talk about Tennessee basketball, and I will literally be the only person on this podcast. You're the only one who knows. Yeah. No one watches it. I watch every game, and nobody— yeah, I enjoy watching it with you, though. Yeah. I just 
don't care it's, about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we need to watch some games. We need to get together. It'd be fun to get back into it because he, now we, we're not good at football anymore, so we need to try <laughs> to put, pin our hopes on something else. <laughs> well, we've been in Sweet 16 in the last three years. I mean, I mean, Tennessee basketball is competitive every year. We did not make the tournament the last two, but the one before that. Yeah, that was a deceptive way you said that. We've been in Sweet no, 16 those in the last are, three years. Those are Tennessee. Wait a minute, what now? We haven't made the tournament the last two years. <laughs> but the, Three years ago, we made the Sweet 16 right. with another coach. <laughs> A completely different group of kids and administration. It's true. Listen, that's a Tennessee fan way of talking now. It's like Butch Jones is is what? Butch Jones has won 15 of the last 20 games. How sad. He's lost the last five or whatever. How sad is it to think that we won a national championship in 98? Like it gets farther and farther away from people's minds. Like we're national. You did? Like I told that to Tim Hawkins on the bus one day. He's like, you guys won a national championship? Mm. It's just forgotten. I go, yeah, we went undefeated. Wow. It, we beat it, Florida State. It's so long ago, and now you have this football landscape that is being dominated by two to three to four teams. You know, So this idea that mm-hmm. we were once dominant in 1998, that doesn't really hold water doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, because John had a full head of hair in 1998. That's right. <laughs> right. Things change. <laughs> Things change. Things change and fall out. Oh, Bush, Bush Jones needs to fall out. <laughs> I do think like I, John's badly damaged follicles. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to do if they do if they do pull the trigger on him to see who they can pick up. You know, I mean, because the the good coaches that are going to make Tennessee fans happy, yeah. aren't really available. I mean, right. they're, they're just right. not. So you're gonna. But what Butch Jones has done is he's taken a, a program that was ran by Derek Dooley and made it better. Um, and so whoever whoever inherits Butch Jones's team is going to inherit something that's a little bit better than yeah. it was before he found it. All right, it. then give us your top five. Uh, Who are the coaches I, that could possibly take this program and do well? Everybody you wants know, Gruden. Everybody's Gruden's, the Gruden not, Gruden's, Gruden's not. They literally I have mean, a name for it. You've heard it. They call them groomers. It's the John Gruden <laughs> rumors. The groomers are starting back up again. That's what I read. In the like, stop trying to name it. Something. I think, I think it, you know, to get a head coach, the, a guy with a head coaching experience, mm-hmm. you know, it, it stings for a program to have to try to please a fan base, you know, yeah. and essentially that's what you're doing. Uh, to get a guy like that, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't a name little pop, like Les Miles would yeah, be the only name Les that's Miles, out there. Chip that Kelly, pop. maybe, you yeah. know. Um, I think that, I think Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino's out there. But then that's the whole I've thing heard. of like, can the, another deep south school with this, you know, we have a religious, you know, vibe around here. So it's like, can they look over all the nonsense? Because he had the affair. Oh, absolutely. If he can win, they if will. If he wins football games, <laughs> we can. I, I think there's two coordinators. I think there's two coordinators that UT fans would be okay with. I think T. Martin mm-hmm. uh, and I think Jim Bob Cooter. I think those two guys. I think uh, I think because they Jim have. Jim Bob Cooter. I, I love saying that name. Um, real <laughs> name. That's maybe the most Tennessee name yeah, that's ever happened. And I think, yeah. I think T. Martin is probably more of a realistic candidate because yeah. he's been the offense coordinator at USC. Um now, w- and we won the championship under him. You did win the champ, the championship. Yeah, the one. Whoa, 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 we've won like six championships, just one in the modern era. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> one people have, have face non-leather masks. helmets. <laughs> <laughs> we should wear helmets. What? Somebody Let me get my Converse All Stars on and let's play this football game. Skull cap. On. Somebody was throwing around the idea of Bob Stoops coming to UT. And I got uh, really excited for a second because Bob Stoops. What if Bob Stoops came Sooners and Bob Shoops stayed on? These Stoops and Shoops. <laughs> the question, the big question is, is we know that that the pocketbook is endless for UT athletics. They got right. they got the golden vault, but if you have to pay the nine million, 
I mean, what is a realistic number right. that you're yeah. gonna that you're gonna pay a, a, a Stoops or a you know or a, a Petrino or you know a lot? I mean, because you're gonna have to pay those to get that kind of name. Mm. You're gonna have to pay right. that kind of money, and then you're gonna have to give them the same buyout, if not more. You know, so now with the nine million that you already, this is where the nine million comes into play. With the nine million that you already got on the table, yeah. and then what you're going, and you're going to have to pay another ten million and another buyout that you're going to have to have. I mean, so that those numbers are astronomical to get somebody that a Tennessee fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, they might not recognize the name. They might not whatever. Yeah, because I mean, just imagine, just imagine the the great great coordinator that's out there that might want to take the UT job, but I mean, is the fan base. Yeah, and, and most, most like this is what little league, little league fan bases are nasty. You know, I mean, right. like it's just this this mentality that we have now. And so, whoever takes that job, if they're not a if they're not a well known commodity, is already going to be behind the eight ball. End of and just my opinion. Ten million is a lot. I'm just want to put it out there that I'll do it for five. There you go. <laughs> we got a guy. That's good. I do think I do think that there's a and I, I know I know winning is important and all those things, but. I do subscribe to the idea that there is now a Cubs fan mentality on Rocky Top, meaning it's hard to do right, like unless you win every game. True. Like, yeah. but but we, yeah, when we lose on the Hail Mary. We lose the way we've lost. You just go, of course. Like it's an there's right. it's expected that the dark cloud's <laughs> going to keep following us. And how much of that is a self fulfilling prophecy? At some point, yeah. you know that that because of the negative. That's what Butch was trying to say three weeks ago to the media, and again, he yeah, can't win. It's Chinese finger cuffs to say stuff like that to the media. It's just yeah. going to make you get tighter in. You know, you're going to have to say, you're going to have to just own your. Well, that's wins like a Donald losses. Trump thing to say. Is like, why don't you write positive things? Right. They're like, Butch, uh, <laughs> you had a dumpster fire over there, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you wrote positive things, then positive things would happen. Right. It's certainly, there's a lot more going like, on. Was this than Tony just Robbins? Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> think, think good thoughts and we'll win games. <laughs> you can tell it from game one. I mean, because I don't know if y'all saw like the pregame inspirational speech. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the oh, grossest. Yeah. The you grossest. got my back? Yeah, that one it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was horrible. You and got my back? It was yeah, like dead silence. You know, well, it, it wasn't. They chanted back. I don't know. Yeah, we got, got your back. Like, got your back. But the whole like, like, you got my back. Like that's what you're worried about yeah. going into game he's one. Always, he's always done that. That's their thing. I hate you got it. My back. I got we might back. be. Well, no, it means like the player that you line up with. You know, you're going to help <laughs> yeah. them if they. Yeah, you're going to make. Again, sure even you have a perceived truth about Butch Jones. He wasn't talking about getting his back as. Yeah, the he coach. didn't mean like defend me if I don't kinda win. Felt like that. Kind of felt like that was a little bit in there. That's all I'm saying. Hey guys, uh, you got my back. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I took uh, it. Please, how's everybody I feel am... about old Butchie here? We're good. We're I good? think there is a if you are not a dominant, you know, it, and it, I'm it, not. If you're not a dominant <laughs> winner in in anything, I think that a Cubs fan mentality, which you probably ought to, explain, you know, this idea that everything's stacked against us, and mm-hmm. you become accustomed to losing, and you're just waiting for that moment, like. Yeah, I think it trickles in and everything. Yeah, and, if you feel cursed, you become yeah, cursed. You, you become. You get tight. You make the wrong play. You over, you know, like you see our corners a lot. They'll overprotect or they go for the big play rather than just wrap the guy up. Right. They go for this. You know, like that's a that's a desperation mentality out of like oh, we got to do something, to turn this around. You know. Mm-hmm. So it I, did kind of feel like that there was some unseen force holding Micah Abernathy back from being able to get behind the receiver at that Hail Mary against Georgia, almost as if mm. I mean that's got, that's going nature. way beyond the Cup fan mentality right there. Like, boy, boy, church. We have an enemy and its name. <laughs> it's whoever Florida. was holding Abernathy right. back. <laughs> Although it, there was good news this week, Florida lost, so that was good. Yeah. Um, 
anybody but Florida at this point. I don't like Georgia. Georgia did get the number one recruit in the nation, by the way, this week. So they got two five star quarterbacks now. Yeah, there's probably no stopping Georgia for a while. Uh, and that's that's kind of where we are. So, but hey, listen, John, thanks for your wisdom on yeah, that. Man. We needed we needed uh, another yeah. voice at the table that yeah, could speak definitely. intelligently about that. I so, think so. Uh, that helped a lot. Um, listen, guys, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> we'll definitely have you back on um, as soon as you uh, can. We'd love to have you again. But it's been a great show. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us. Don't forget to leave us. Uh, go subscribe. Share with your friends. I know a lot of you guys are telling us that you're enjoying it. So. Follow the Twitter. What's the Twitter handle again, Dane? <laughs> at Talk A B that pod. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, you're gonna wanna We talked with Allison about that last week and she yeah, said it was terrible. Yeah, and she's a marketing person? Yeah. She is. She yeah. says it's terrible, which we knew that. We she, knew it was We're gonna terrible. make it as hard took... for you to find us as possible. You gotta really wanna follow us. <laughs> well now I'm starting to think that it's so bad that people are like right, wanting to go find it. it, like yeah. a cult following. Right. <laughs> you know, I am I am a follower on all social media of this podcast. And yes. I don't I don't think like the the actual handle of it is not what you search. You know, I just search right. talk about that oh, and, and whatever it came. It comes up. Really? Yeah. So I think you guys are pretty It showed up when you searched yeah. it. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. On cool. what though? On Twitter? On Twitter. Okay. So I think I think you guys like yeah, is it is it the greatest name ever? <laughs> it's not even, it's not even <laughs> the top five greatest. <laughs> well we can we can uh, change yeah. it to whatever we want to, I think. And that's fine. <laughs> or we can keep it and it'll just be forever terrible. Banta, banta, banta. I'm pretty sure it's open. Dude, we Podcast could be Network Bantertown. Bantertown. Man, guys, I'm telling you, Bantertown's gonna stick. I like it. Johnny, you just got to give us some time, Yeah, bro. what's wrong with you? The uh, first time someone said Google. What's it like to be wrong? They were like, that's dumb. Yeah, it was a baby talk. Google. Google. <laughs> yeah. Baby talk. Yeah. Like Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Google. Why did, remember the Google Glass? That was like their big invention. They're going to have internet, you know, supported glasses where you can yeah, search things. Yeah, that was cool. Why were those not called Google Goggles? <laughs> I will never understand. Google Goggles. They really missed an opportunity. <laughs> or just Googles. You know, yeah, or just Googles. <laughs> right. Or Google Googly eyes. On it. <laughs> That's right. There's so many opportunities. Uh, they did none of them. So what we'll dumb. do is... Uh, well... Guys, anyway, it's been a great time. So, I was about we'll to say, we've officially crossed over into wasting my lifetime. <laughs> At this point, we're okay. just keeping John from his John's family. John's sitting on a bucket going, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, you guys, have a good week. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. See ya. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.